بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وموالا وبعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته All praise and thanks are due solely to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Choices, peace, blessings and salutations upon our master and exemplar Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum Welcome back to Hajj, the journey of the heart I'm your host Malana Irshad Siddiq And in this episode we look at Medina, Medina al-Munawwara, the city of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam, where most of our hujjaj depart to before they move to Mecca. So most hajj packages these days have you go to Medina first and then to Mecca. Even though in the past, the custom was to go to Mecca first and then after hajj to go to Medina. There's no right and wrong in this regard. But there was wisdom applied back then in that one wants to go and perform your hajj and clean yourself and rid yourself of all forms of sin and transgression before presenting yourself in front of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. However, there are many opportunities just in tawbah, in making tawbah while being on safar, on a journey and having the niyyah to visit the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa masjid. And then to present oneself before Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and to greet him. And not only to, to greet him alayhi salatu wasalam and his companions, Sayyidina Abu Bakr and Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhumah and the other sahaba and Ahlul Bayt who are buried in Baqi' al-Harqad, the uh, Jannatul Baqi' as we call it. It's more formally known as Baqi' al-Harqad. Other than that, just the opportunity to present oneself as a follower of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and to have the opportunity to in front of him declare ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu annaka abduhu wa rasuluhu wa ashhadu annaka ya Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam abduhu wa rasuluhu subhanallah it is to go from having said one shahada all one's life and now being able to testify that you are a believer in front of the one who called you to Iman, subhanallah. This for me was the ultimate highlight of being in Medina, to be able to present my shahada before Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, to be able to pour my heart out to him as a follower and to thank him, to thank him for what he's done for us as an ummah, what he's done for me as an individual and what he promised to do on the day of Qiyamah. Because our relationship with him sallallahu alayhi wasallam is eternal our relationship with him is what is going to benefit us in the day of qiyamah when he intercedes on our behalf before allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it is with muhammad rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam where we can have hope that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through his supplication through his crying for us through his tears through his sincere well wishes for us his ummah that we can be hopeful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy on the day of Qiyamah. And of course, Allah is the most merciful. Soon your Rabb will give you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and you will be pleased. And as some Mufassirun have noted about this ayah in Surah Al-Duha, that this is potentially the most hopeful ayah in the Quran. Why? Because... 
the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam will never be pleased until every single one of his ummah is with him in Jannah. Subhanallah. So our hujjaj leave their homes, they depart from their countries, they are in a state of safar, right? They are traveling. And this is why the rituals that, that accompany us when we leave our homes traditionally, you know, you're in the Cape of Good Hope, they add value because in our journey, we understand we are not just undertaking any ordinary journey. We're not just going on holiday or traveling. And even then, that would be a travel. And any journey would make one in a sort of a better position to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because the dua of the musafir is mustajab. But yeah, this safar, this travel is directly linked to the encouragement of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who specifically said, do not, do not mount your animal to go and visit any mosque except for these three mosques. And he mentioned the, the, the Masjidul Haram in Mecca, the Masjidul Nabawi in Medina, and Baytul Maqdis, Masjidul Aqsa. And in light of this instruction of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we are in direct obedience to that and we are following in this suggestion and in this instruction from him alayhi salatu wasalam to visit where? Madinatul Munawwara. Now, Medina wasn't always called Medina. In fact, Medina was called Yathrib. And you may never have heard of the term Yathrib before, or you may have, but Yathrib is not a name that we should use to refer to Medina. Why? Because Yathrib actually had a very bad meaning. Yathrib is a word that denotes a place that is filled with illness and disease. And it was thought at that time that anyone who comes to Medina and lives there, they inevitably fall ill and many people pass away. And it was considered, as Sayyida Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha herself mentions, that when we reached Medina, it was the most unhealthy of Allah's lands. And the one valley used to flow with impure, discolored water, as reported in Al-Bukhari. But soon, soon, when Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam arrived and the Sahaba settled there, he named it Al-Madina, the city. And it became Munawwara, it became an illuminated city. To the point that at the burial of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the Sahaba said, when he arrived in Medina, everything became illuminated. And the day he passed away, everything became darkened. And we were barely we were, our hands were barely cleaned of the dirt that we needed to close his qabr with, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, except that our hearts already felt the overwhelming darkness. Now, as depressing as this narration may sound, and it certainly is, and it's hard to speak about the demise of our beloved messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, what's amazing, in fact, what is miraculous, is that despite the sahaba, this particular sahabi saying, Right? Over 1,400 years ago, that Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu passing caused the darkness to come over Medina. Anyone who visits Medina till this very day will be witness to the fact that it is the most illuminated place they've ever experienced. That their hearts feel the illumination. Their souls feel the tranquility, the sakina. Now, if this is the case, 1400 years after he has left this world, 
what must the feeling in Medina have been like when he was around? Sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Stay tuned, we'll be right back after this break. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum. Welcome back to Hajj, the journey of the hearts. This is the third episode and I'm still your host, Manana Irshad Siddiq. In this episode, we're looking at Madinatul Munawwarah, the illuminated city. And subhanallah, after spending one's entire life being a follower of this beloved messenger, this well-known messenger, this messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whose name is the most frequently used name in the world, whose reputation is treasured by Muslim and non-Muslim, and whose status is unequivocally the best that has ever lived and walked on this planet, Imam al-Anbiya wal-Mursaleen. And it is to this Nabi that we go and we visit. And our intentions when visiting Madinat al-Munawwara is to A, visit the Masjid, and B, visit the Qabr of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and C, visit the graves of our pious ancestors, the Sahaba and the Ahlul Bayt, and to go and pray for them and to go and receive a lesson by standing at their gravesides. And in addition to that, to go and stand in the places that potentially Rasulullah and the Sahaba stood in, to go and visit the martyrs of Uhud, the martyrs of Badr, to go and reflect on the history of Rasulullah and the history of Islam, much of which had taken place in and around Medina. To go and visit and reflect on the sites that we read about in our history and that we learn about in our discourses, religious discourses and academic discourses in Islam and about Islam. We go and visit the sites of Uhud, Khandaq. We go and visit the sites of Badr for those Hujjaj who are fortunate enough to do so. But the entire Medina, the entire Medina is a sanctuary. The Prophet wasallam said, I have made Medina a sanctuary between its two Harrat mountains. So there's two obvious mountain tracts in Medina and the entire segment between those are considered a sanctuary, like a haram. These mountains welcome you in a very special way. They don't look like the mountains you're perhaps accustomed to, filled with greenery. In fact, they are black in color. But there's a tranquility in Medina that just cannot be explained. This was the land that gave refuge to Rasulullah and the Sahaba when they had to flee from Makkah, flee for their lives and flee for their deen. This was Darul Hijrah. The Hijrah was so significant that our calendar is pinned onto that particular event. This is a place of safety and refuge. Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu himself narrated a message from the Prophet sallallahu saying that the protection granted by any Muslim is to be secured and respected by all the other Muslims. This was the place of protection of Rasulullah sallallahu This safety even extended to the animals as Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu stated that he would avoid chasing any deer grazing in the city due to its status as a sanctuary, as a haram. How beautiful a city, where even the noble angels are at its gates. This is of course highlighted 
in the information of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam about Al-Masih al-Dajjal. With the Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam said in a hadith in Bukhari that there are angels guarding the entrances or the roads of Medina. Neither plague nor al-Dajjal will be able to enter it. Subhanallah. How then can we just think that this is an ordinary place, an ordinary space? Yes, the Hujjaj are not visiting Medina because Medina is part of the rituals of Hajj. It is not. Okay? It is very, it's very, very important that we understand that the rituals of Hajj can take place without even setting foot in Medina. But what type of person has the opportunity and passes by, practically passes by the city of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam without visiting our beloved messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, without visiting the city of blessings. Many people know the virtues and blessings of Makkah. However, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam made special dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bestow twice the blessings on Medina as he had bestowed upon Makkah. And this is narrated in uh, the Sahih of Imam al-Bukhari. This is a land of blessing where one prayer, just one salah performed in Masjid al-Nabawi is equivalent to 1,000 prayers anywhere else except for Makkah. A land where great luminaries such as Imam Malik radiallahu ta'ala anhu would walk barefoot simply because he honored and respected Medina so much. It was even narrated quite uh, prolifically, that Imam Malik wouldn't relieve himself. He wouldn't answer the call of nature within the boundaries of the city. He would leave. Subhanallah. This is the type of reverence that they had for Medina. This is the type of reverence we should have for Medina. Unfortunately, today and in the years gone by, people have often thought of Medina as a place to A, go on a lot of ziyarats, B, do a lot of shopping, and C, go and visit the Qabr of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Subhanallah, it should be the opposite. We should A, go and pray in the masjid, B, visit the Qabr of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the other places of ziyarat then, and thereafter, yes, shop in Medina as well, because there's barakah in what one purchases from Medina, especially in the dates of Medina, because the Prophet ﷺ specifically highlighted the significance of the dates of Medina. But there's a place in Medina that is beyond this world. For the Prophet ﷺ said that the area between my house and the member is one of the gardens of Jannah. Subhanallah. There are many interpretations of this and what this means exactly. But Ibn Hajar explains that it is like a garden of Jannah. Other scholars mention that this land will actually form part of the land of Jannah. Allahu Akbar. Can you imagine praying two rakats in Jannah? And if you want to know more about this Jannah, this Rawda min Riyadil Jannah, then stay tuned because after the break we'll speak about the value and the beauty to behold and to be witness of in this beautiful place. Barakallahu feekum. Bismillah walhamdulillah wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ba'd assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Welcome back to Hajj, Journey of the Hearts We are speaking now about the Rawdatul Jannah Allahu Akbar Such a small piece of land that is situated between where the Prophet is now buried and it extends 
till the mimbar of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam or where the mimbar was. And there still is a mimbar there today. Nowadays, unfortunately, there's a very stringent process that one needs to go through in order to get into the Rawdatul Jannah. You have to enter into one area that's cornered off and it's controlled by the securities. And then you enter from there into another area and you wait again. And then from there, they stream you into the Rawdatul Jannah. And of course, the wait can be a bit long. Those with uh, illnesses or disabilities, they are allowed to go in from a different section where they can access it directly. And again, due to the logistics of the Ummah growing and more and more people wanting to be in that space, and everyone who visits Medina would like to spend their time, as much time as possible, in that space. So these measures are somewhat expected. They, they naturally would have to be implemented whether we like them or not. And what is important is to understand that when we stand there, where the Prophet ﷺ is an earshot away from us, that we need to be on our best behavior. And sadly, because of people's you know, love of Rasulullah ﷺ and their practical desperation to get the blessings of Medina and the blessings of Rawdatul Jannah, and to make as many raka'at of salah there, one's emotions can get the better of one. And jostling takes place, and sometimes people get a bit impatient, and sometimes, you know, people come from different backgrounds, cultures, traditions, etc. Some live in rural situations where if you don't, if you don't, like, you know, sort of fight for your, for your place, whether it be to eat first or to enter or to make sure you're getting a parcel, etc. If you don't force your way in, then you'll always be missing out. So unfortunately, many people apply the same type of logic in this supposed to be tranquil space. And again, unfortunately, this results in some, let's call it unexpected behavior there. Yes, sometimes you hear some people fighting and you hear some people shouting and you hear phones, you know, buzzing with music and people are standing with their cameras and they are standing with their, you know, taking videos and they are speaking to one another and having conversations. And all the while, you are standing within an earshot of Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. You are standing next to Jannah because the Rawdatul Jannah is considered as a part of Jannah. How many places in the world can claim to have a piece of Jannah in that space? Generally speaking, you are now allowed to pray a few raka'ats of salah, and as soon as you've completed, you are ushered out immediately. And while some people, understandably so, try to fit in, you know, more raka'ats of salah, if you get away with it, na'imat. But always remember, tafassahu yafsahillahu lakum. Make space for others. Give others the opportunity as well. Allah will make a space for you in Jannah, inshaAllah. Remember that above all else, there it's not about look, come what may, I am going to get my way. I'm going to make sure that I get into the Rawdatul Jannah. I'm going to make sure that I stand in front of the Qabr of the Prophet for the longest time. No, this is not the time for that. This is the time to turn inward to your heart and ask, what would the Prophet 
say about my behavior in this space. Now I'm going to relate the story about my first time um, with a few colleagues when we visited Medina to Munawara for the very, very first time. And I recall taking a jubba that my father made, rahimahullah ta'ala. My father was a tailor and he made me a jubba and I took this jubba with to Medina. Now at that time, we went in the month of Ramadan and it was in the month of August. And this is a very, very hot period. It's the summer period in the Arabian Peninsula. But I took the jubba with because I was taught and I read that when one presents oneself to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam at his qabr, it is as though you are presenting yourself to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam as he was alive. And the same adab, the same akhlaq that one has to implement in front of him while he's alive, alayhi salatu wasalam, is the same adab and akhlaq that you present before him at his qabr. I read from among the fada'il and the virtues that the ulama have written about, that one shouldn't rush to go and see the qabr of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Right? And understandably, when the hujaj arrive, you barely put your bags down and you, you want to go because you've been waiting your entire life. But the advice that we received was instead, Go and take a nice, relaxing sleep. Go and perform a ghusl. Go and apply the most fragrant itr, fragrance that you can find. Go and dress as closely to the sunnah as you can. Go and make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your bait, and even better, in Masjid Nabawi. And pray to Allah to prepare your heart and prepare your soul to present yourself before Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Go and pray to Allah that all the salawat that you've made in your entire life that was sent directly to Nabi Muhammad Wasallam, because that is in fact the case. Many people when you go on Hajj, many people would say, please convey my salam to the Prophet Wasallam, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But what we should also know is that anywhere we are at any given moment, the moment we turn to Allah and say, Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam, or any form of salawat, that there are special angels who have the task of collecting these letters. Let's call them love letters. They collect these love letters and they deliver them to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and they give these messages to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Allah gives him life so that he can respond to those messages. And when you send these love letters to the Prophet ﷺ, when the angels present it to him, they don't only present it as, you know, Irshad sent the salawat. No, it's Irshad, the son of Yusuf and Masnuna. He sends the salawat. You see, your parents are honored in the same way, subhanAllah. And over and above that, Allahu Akbar, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also responds by sending 10 salawat upon anyone who sends one salawat upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now you just have to take a moment to really wrap your mind around that. Allah sending a blessing upon me, one blessing from Allah could potentially be enough to suffice me for my entire life in this world, for my entire life in the barzakh, in the qabr, and for my year after. But Allah doesn't send one. For every single salawat, Allah Ta'ala sends at least 10 salawat upon the one who sends it. When we approach the qabr of the Prophet in fact, before that, we should pray to Allah 
sincerely by ourselves, begging Allah to bring all of this to one's heart and one's mind and to put our emotions and our hearts in the best of spaces to present ourselves before Nabi Muhammad in the best of ways. I was standing in the line. We entered into the masjid and we went straight into the line that leads you to the qabr of Rasulullah sallallahu This is of course after a number of years of studying, teaching the Shama'ilul Muhammadiyah of Imam Tirmidhi, learning about the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, learning about the seerah, reading the Qur'an, understanding where certain verses of the Qur'an were revealed, having gone through the Madani suwar like Surah Baqarah, Surah Al-Imran, having studied the history of the Sahaba in Medina and the Hijrah, and all of these things came to mind for me as a student, subhanAllah. And myself and, and two other colleagues, both of them being students of deen, we prepared ourselves in this way and we, we gave each other pep talks before going to stand there. And all of us felt an overwhelming sense of sadness. Yes, sadness and anxiety. Because, ya salam, who are we to present ourselves before the best of Allah's creation? Have we done enough to deserve to be called, to be standing in front of his qabr, ya Rabb? And we, we literally stood in the line and I recall tears coming, thinking, how am I going to, how am I going to utter the words, As-salamu alayka ya Rasulullah, As-salamu alayka ya Nabiyallah, As-salamu alayka ya khayrata khalqillah, As-salamu alayka ya ayyuhan nabiyu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, As-salamu alayna wa ala ibadillahi salihin, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashadu annaka abduhu wa rasooluh. I thought, how am I going to get myself to utter these words knowing who I am, knowing the sins that I've committed in my life, knowing my weaknesses and my inferior characteristics and knowing the splendid nature of the Prophet وسلم, and the perfection of character that was manifest within him. And as we stood there, lo and behold, in front of us, we see none other than Sheikh Habib Umar who is, as we know, a descendant of the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this for me was, was mind-boggling. Like, I've never had an experience where you just randomly run into such a figure and look where. And this, you know, the Prophet sallallahu believed in fa'lul hasan, in, in good omens, right? A good sign from Allah. And for me, being in the company of the grandson you know, for all intents and purposes of Rasulullah sallallahu standing right in front of me as I'm about to greet the Prophet that was the first, the first form of comfort and contentment that I received. And I'm, I, I, I'm the first to say that we all stand alone before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's no connections between us and other people. But this was for me a, a means of contentment. And then the second point was somehow... Allah made me think of the incident of the Bedouin who comes into Masjid Nabawi. We all know this incident. So the Bedouin comes in and he casually urinates in a corner of the Masjid. And the Sahaba, who obviously had a lot of reverence for the Masjid, they wanted to stand up and, and stop this person. But the Prophet ﷺ, who was so merciful, 
he stopped them. And he said, hold on, let him finish. And they allowed him to finish. And then when he completed, the Prophet ﷺ ordered that a bucket of water simply be poured over the area. Bearing in mind, of course, there were no carpets in the masjid at the time. There were no carpets in the masjid at the time. So the floor we are speaking about, the ground is basically the sand, the the rubble, the, the, the stones, etc. So just a bucket of water over the area. And that was enough to clean the area. While the Prophet ﷺ sat the gentleman down and politely explained the etiquette of the masjid. And after politely explaining the etiquette of the masjid, this particular Bedouin, he says, Ya Allah, may Allah have mercy on you, Ya Rasulullah, and may he have mercy on me, and may he have mercy on no one else except you and me. Subhanallah, because obviously the man is in a, in a situation where yeah, Nabi Muhammad showed him so much kindness and you know the others they were perhaps going to treat him in a in a in a different way, right? According to the best of their knowledge. But Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam took the time to sit him down and politely explain the etiquette of the masjid. And this man went back to his people saying, I come to you from the best of people. And I thought, Subhanallah. If this is the welcoming that the Prophet ﷺ gave to a person who didn't have the proper etiquette and conduct for the masjid and to the extent that he would urinate in the masjid, then surely my beloved messenger who I've tried and tried and tried some more to follow in his footsteps, in his way of life, to teach his deen to others, inshallah I have now the hope that I need to believe that he will welcome me in a similar way or even close to that way, subhanAllah. Now, whether that is true, you know, in, in my case or not, it's got nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with who Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam is. And once I remembered that, everything just changed. And I now looked forward to standing in front of the qabr of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. And wallahi, despite knowing some Arabic and having learned, you know, some fiqh and so on, and having taught other people the greeting, the moment you, you stand before that door, and you can clearly see because the area that marks where the head of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the face of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is facing toward the qibla, is marked by... Uh, let's call it a door handle with a bigger hole than the other ones, right? So that's exactly where you stand. The line moves so rapidly, generally speaking, that you barely get the chance to say, you know, the full greeting that you normally find in the kitabs. You have to find some sort of summarized version of it. That's how it was every other time I greeted. But by some miracle, this first time, it somehow felt as though we had all the time in the world. and. I remember seeing Habib Umar there greeting Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and I saw my companions behind me and here I am standing and I'm literally lost for words. And I, I get the basics out and I go into a state of just speaking from my heart, speaking to Allah, then conversing with the Prophet sallallahu by way of um, imagining you know myself presenting my shahada before him and then I present my shahada and everything is just so surreal 
And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you feel a sense of fulfillment. Like you've accomplished something that you can now tick off your bucket list, so to speak. A weight being lifted off your shoulder. You've pledged allegiance to Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now, all of us pledge allegiance when we say, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna Muhammad rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But there's just something special about standing before his qabr, about presenting yourself before him alayhi salatu wa salam. It is as though he's sitting behind this gate, listening to every word that you're saying. And it is like that. We know that it is like that. But somehow you feel it. And what a wonderful feeling that is to bear witness to people, grown men, crying like babies, becoming the most humble of creatures before Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah grant us all, each and every one of us, the opportunity to present ourselves before his qabr and to repeatedly visit his qabr and to repeatedly visit Madinah al-Munawwara. And then of course, we'll come back after the break to speak about Madina with some greater detail. Barakallahu feekum. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. Wa ba'd, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ahlan wa sahlan wa marhaban bikum. Welcome back to Hajj, the journey of the hearts. And we are in Madinatul Munawwara. We have visited the Rodatul Jannah. We have greeted our beloved messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. We then take a step to the right. We then greet Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu. We take another step to the right and we say, Assalamu alayka, ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And we greet. And then we turn to the Qibla and we make dua. This is what most books will state. The reality is that sometimes this line is ushered on so quickly that you don't get a chance to say what you saw in the, in the book. So ideally, while you learn the longer greetings and the longer uh, litanies and rituals, it's very important to also have a backup of a very, very short version. And then, as opposed to relying on your words, turn to your heart and make sure that your heart was in the right place. So even though you maybe didn't get to say what you wanted to say, make sure that your heart was in its right space when you said the other words, the shorter version. And inshallah, Allah Ta'ala will still accept it from you. Believers also have the opportunity to visit Jannatul Baqi' which requires a discourse in and of itself. Subhanallah, the best of the best are buried there. Some of the leading Sahaba, the senior Sahaba, like Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affad radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And the family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. So many Sahaba, even the son of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who passed away in his infancy, Ibrahim alayhi salatu wa sallam. Medina, the Prophet said, is better for them if they knew. Nobody leaves Medina preferring another place, saying, oh, I prefer that other place, I prefer this country, that country, except that Allah replaces him with someone better than him. And nobody perseveres with its hard times because for some people, the terrain, the environment, the atmosphere may be a bit much to handle. And there may be difficulties, but nobody perseveres with those, difficulty, with those difficulties except that I, Nabi Muhammad Wasallam, shall be for him on the day of resurrection an intercessor or a witness. Subhanallah. Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu also reported that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said, I have been ordered to go to a village. And this 
village referred to Medina. Medina was much smaller at the time, right? Much smaller than it is now. And he said people call it Yathrib, right? And of course, we now know why they called it Yathrib because people generally got sick there. So Yathrib means a place of disease. But then the Prophet says, and it is Medina. And he renamed it Medina. It expels bad men as bellows. Bellows are the things that blacksmiths use. Bellows remove dirt from iron. So Medina expels the bad people like bellows remove dirt from iron. Subhanallah. So a believer should be very careful. There are warnings against people who harm the inhabitants of Medina. There are warnings against people who harm the animals in Medina, who harm the plant life in Medina. There are warnings against people who dislike Medina, who dislike being in Medina, and who walk away from Medina preferring another place. May Allah protect us. It is essential that when we make our niyyah for Hajj and Umrah, that we understand our priorities and we prioritize accordingly. No one can say that shopping is a waste of time and buying gifts is a waste of time and visiting the other places, you know, you shouldn't do that. No, no. But make sure that when, you are, when Allah grants you the opportunity to be in Medina, that all of your salahs take place in Masjid al-Nabawi. There are many places to visit and there are sacred and, and, and significant places to visit. For example, visiting Kuba, right, has significance in and of itself. It's like making an Umrah, Masjid Kuba, especially if you do it on a Saturday, but it can be done any other day as well. So when you go to Medina, even if you have no intention of going anytime soon, do prioritize your days. For example, day one, I'm going to spend half resting and then the other time in the masjid. Day two, I'm going to present myself at the qabr of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam um, and I'm going to spend as much time making salawat somewhere near the qabr as possible. Day three, again, I'm going to visit uh, Baqi al-Gharqad, for example. This is just, you know, hypothetical. And I'm going to visit Kuba and I'm going to visit Uhud and you plan your days like that. And then, by the way, okay, now I need to fit in my uh, shopping and my tourism and so forth somewhere in. And you fit it in somewhere later on towards the end, but not also making it the last thing that you do in Medina. And when you are close to the qabr of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the difference between making salawat here as opposed to making salawat anywhere else in the world is that when, when you make salawat anywhere else in the world, the angels carry your salawat to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But when you make salawat in proximity, in close proximity to his grave alayhi salatu wa salam, there's no angel between you and between Abi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He hears your words directly. He knows you, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You are the one who's been sending him these letters over time. And now you are here to deliver them in person. Imagine the joy of two people who have been in communication through correspondence over a period of time, never having met, never having seen one another. And they joyfully send words of love and appreciation and gratitude and praise for one another. And then all of a sudden they have the opportunity to finally meet. Can you imagine the type of love that exists in that relationship? The Prophet ﷺ spoke about this love. He spoke about this love to his companions and he said that he longs for his brothers. He longs for his, his beloveds. And the Sahaba wanted to know if, if it's not referring to them. And he said, no, no, 
you have a special place. You are my companions. But these ones, they believe in me and they follow me despite having never seen me or met me. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barik ala nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. After the break, we conclude. Assalamu alaikum rahmatullah, ahlan wa sahlan. Welcome back to Hajj, Journey of the Hearts, and this is our conclusion. There's so much to say about Medina. Allahu Akbar. One could write books and books have been written. One could speak for hours and hours and hours and hours of lectures and lessons have been transmitted. For anyone hoping to visit Medina al-Munawwara and the Qabr of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I urge you, learn as much about Medina as possible before you go. Don't rely on a tour guide. Don't rely on a travel agent. Don't rely on your spiritual leader. Equip yourself with knowledge and equip yourself with a relationship with the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and a regular practice of salawat. These are going to be your tools in making the most out of your journey to Madinat al-Munawwara and your stay there. Nothing that anyone can say or that anyone can give you or that any leader can assist you with will compare to this type of preparation where you take control of your own journey and you equip yourself with the knowledge that you need that you would rely upon to make the most of this journey. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all to visit Medina, to visit Masjid al-Nabawi, to visit the Qabr of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the Sahaba. Oh Allah, grant us the blessings of being able to walk in the footsteps of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Oh Allah, grant us the opportunity to love Medina and to love the people of Medina and to live in Medina with the right etiquette and the right character and akhlaq that is befitting to be a neighbor of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Oh Allah, we were not blessed with the opportunity to be his companions in this world. Please grant us his companionship in Jannah. Oh Allah, if you see it fit, Ya Rabb, when we die one day, we ask you for a good death. And we ask more specifically that you grant us a death in Medina, that we can be buried in Medina. That we can be buried in the Baqi' along with the great Sahaba and friends of Allah. Oh Allah, grant us to be from among those who can fulfill our journey of Hajj and Umrah for your sake. Oh Allah, open up the doors for us, open up the pathways for us. Grant us the means to get there, Ya Rabb. Ya Allah, grant us love of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, love of his sunnah and love of those actions that will lead us to your love, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Oh Allah, bring us closer and closer to the, to the reality of Rasulullah sallallahu akhlaq in our lives. Oh Allah, bring us closer and closer to him. Oh Allah, allow us to be from among the closest to him on the day of Qiyamah. Oh Allah, please grant us the intercession of Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on the day of Qiyamah. Oh Allah, we beg of you as humble servants, Ya Rabb. Ya Allah, please grant us the opportunity to stand before his grave and shed tears before his grave and greet him from the bottoms of our hearts, Ya Rabb, with sincerity. O oh Allah, grant us the opportunity to declare our shahada before him, so that perhaps he can testify for us in the day of Qiyamah. O oh Allah, prepare our hearts and souls for that moment that we stand before his grave. Ya Allah, grant us hearts that we will not be ashamed of to present before 
Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Oh Allah, when we have that beautiful opportunity and gift from you to stand in Medina, to stand in the Rawdatul Jannah, to stand before his Qabr, Ya Allah, we beg of you to grant us to have the type of akhlaq that is befitting of that place, Ya Allah. To have the proper adab and mannerisms. Ya Allah, we've read in your Quran that anyone who raises their voice with the Prophet wasallam risks losing all of their good deeds. Ya Allah, protect us from ever having to face this. Ya Allah, protect us from ever being in a situation where we need to be or we, when we are coerced to have bad behavior before His Majesty Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Ala Alihi Wa Wasallam. Ya Allah, as He was the King of Medina, the leader of Medina, Ya Allah, He's our King, He's our leader, He's our master, He's our exemplar. Ya Allah, we beg of you to grant us closeness to Him, to grant us true love of Him Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Rabb, we beg of you to bring us closer and closer and closer to his sunnah. Ya Allah, accept the hajj of the hujjaj. Ya Allah, send our salutations in abundance upon Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As the hujjaj have an opportunity, grant us that opportunity as well. Ya Allah, bless the hujjaj, bless the visitors of Medina, bless those who have left Medina to Mecca, bless those who have arrived in Mecca, bless those who are busy fulfilling their umrah as we speak, bless those who still have to fulfill the umrah of the hajj, you know, in the days coming, Ya Rab, we beg of you to make the journey easy for them. Ya Allah, grant them their health and their strength and their piety that they need to fulfill this journey in the best of manners. Oh Allah, please accept. Oh Allah, please accept. Wa sallallahu ala sayyidina Muhammadin in nabiyy al-ummiyy wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa sallam. سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين بارك الله فيكم جزاكم الله خيرا for joining us it was a pleasure being with you once again from myself Irshad Siddiq until next time this was Hajj the journey of the hearts I greet you السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته